Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by awesome co-host this week, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I am so happy that we played this video game. Me too. It is so sweet. And Shane, my bro host, how are you doing, Shane? I am doing great. Thank you. And this week, we are playing or, or talking about having played Wander Song. If you aren't familiar, uh, but if you're on Twitter, you've probably seen GIFs of this game. I've seen GIFs of this game being passed around on Twitter for like three years now, like since since the Kickstarter three years ago. Um, people have been passing GIFs of this very adorable little, almost paper cutout looking bard in a cute little bard hat and a little cute bard vest, doing cute little bard songs and gesturing with his cute little arms. And I mean... I've been seeing those for a long time now, even before I knew what the game was. And I mean, it was a bit of a surprise to see that this game had actually finally come out. It seems like one of those games that's sort of been just off the just just past the horizon for a really long time. Um, But it came out about a week ago as of this recording, and we've all played at least some of it. uh, And we're here to talk about it. It's uh, it's pretty darn cute. Yeah, this was a game that I had been watching for a long time. I had signed up for the email notification list. I I didn't catch the Kickstarter, but when it came out, uh, I downloaded it day of. Uh, It was the right game for me at the right time. I was pretty down. There was a lot of noise and sadness in my life, and the little bard and his Robin Hood outfit really made my week. Yeah, and this game was a huge surprise for me. I mean, we'll talk about the story and all of the stuff about it, but but I I was not expecting to like this game as much as I did. Um, I found myself really falling in love with the characters. It's just it's a right game at the right time is a really good way to put it because it's it's a it was an incredible breath of sort of fresh air and sweetness without being cloying or cheesy. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't cheesy. It wasn't cloying. It was it was just a really good story. Much more interesting story to it than I expected. Uh, and it was really well told, and it was very sweet, very nice. I think a lot of times things that are heartwarming are not nuanced, and I thought this was going to be a silly, pastel, pink, uh, no, frothy escape thing, and it was actually a little deeper than that. It reminds me of some of the you know, Night in the Woods, Undertale things that They've got a sweetness, but they got a little bit of a bite to it. Um, that's not saying that this game isn't kid-friendly or family-unfriendly. <laughs> um, it, it's actually really accessible. I think it's just um, got a lot more to it than you might get from the first five minutes. Yeah, so if the, if you saw the trailer for this and it didn't appeal to you, um, you know, hang in there for a minute because there's some, there's some stuff to this that's not immediately apparent on the on the tin, if that makes sense. When I first heard the pitch on this game, and when I first started playing it, uh, I had this huge misconception that almost put me off. I thought I was actually going to have to sing to do things in this game, like myself into a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I think the game was described to me as like, oh, it's it's an RPG, but all the stuff that you do, you do by singing. Uh, And I was like, like, oh, like uh like a like, like rock a band game <laughs> yeah so it, it was described as like a like a music game like and so i was like oh okay i guess i i guess i'm gonna have to have my 
my microphone hooked up, and uh, I hope it's easy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, luckily, it was easy. It was even easier than that. <laughs> yeah. So th- this game is a primarily an adventure game. I mean, if you've played, oh, yeah. uh, so in terms of just like how the mechanics of it work. The, the singing part aside, it most reminded me of Night in the Woods. There's a ton of games that work like this, but it's sort of like a, a platformer light. Uh, it's, it's got platformer-style controls. It's side-scrolling. Um, you know, there's a jump button. Um, and, but mostly, it's using those platformer mechanics in an adventure game kind of context. So you're mostly exploring uh, very large spaces, uh, usually like whole towns, and uh, interacting with the characters there and solving problems for people, mostly by singing. So apart from the singing mechanic, which is your main interaction, exploring it is pretty familiar if you've played any platformer that has sort of adventure game leanings. That said, it's extremely forgiving. Um, I mentioned that it's family friendly, and that's not just the tone and the mood and the language. It's also that... It's pretty hard to mess up. Sometimes I wasn't that good at singing on the beat. Uh, even Night in the Woods, uh, you messed up the songs and they would tell you you sucked. In this game, <laughs> if you hit the... You know, I haven't failed anything and I've been pretty bad. I don't think you probably, if you don't actually participate... First of all, why are you playing this game in the first place? <laughs> like It's a singing game, you gotta sing. But I think that if you are worried that you're not good at singing in rhythm games, you should still pick this up. One of the things I really found cute about the singing is that, you know, because it's something that you can basically do all the time and it's one of your main ways of interacting with the world, um, you know, there's lots of places where, you know, something happens if you sing. uh, But if you want to get fancy with it, uh, you uh, you can start doing things like singing while crouching and it sings nice and low. Like, <laughs> yes. uh, or if you uh, if you hold if you click the 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 thumbstick, the sting, singing thumbstick, and hold that down while you sing, you sing in a whisper voice. Uh, <laughs> which uh, you know it doesn't really do much for the game uh, to be able to do those things, but neither does the dancing. But they all work together to make the character itself really expressive which is really part of the fun of the game oh my gosh every time the voice changed with your mood if you'd had coffee recently um whether you were jumping up and down the character feels like this bundle of energy but not one you hate because he can be down you know just because you're happy all the time doesn't mean you don't get overwhelmed by a vast duty that is beyond your capability sometimes you feel a little down and you gotta frown but you can still kind of sadly dance which is just amazing (laughs) like the fact that they bothered to make a sad version of the dance of every dance of every (laughs) dance because you can get multiple dances one of the most charming things and for those who haven't played there is a dedicated dance button that you can press to dance mid jump mid sing while you're walking while you're trying to solve puzzles, you can just start dancing. Why not? So much of this game is about creating joy and and sort of expressing this sort of sweetness. And the dance button is a is an obvious one because like there's no there's no mechanical reason to have it. There's never a part in the game where you have to dance. Um, there's there's not even like 
side stories or anything that you like like I kept expecting once I found out that there was a dance button and that there was a mechanic of sort of hunting through the game to collect additional dances I thought well surely I'm going to have to use these at some point and then I'm like six chapters into the game and dancing up a storm while I'm attempting to save the world and I'm like you know what it has never asked me to dance I've only ever danced simply because it's cute to watch the the bard dance dance like nobody's watching yeah and it's it's so cute and so good and it's it's a, it's a great example of like just little bits of joy injected into this game that that didn't need to be there but just add to that whole it, it's it's really really sweet and cute um so we should probably talk a little bit about like the, specifically the singing mechanic which is the main interaction of the game you know obviously you can walk around you can jump you can talk to characters which is very important and there's a lot of dialogue in this game like a lot like a lot more than i was expecting never really gets tiresome but like uh i think the dialogue was was another thing that reminded me a ton of night in the woods it's presented through little uh character speech bubbles uh you know short dialogue speeches but lots of back and forth between characters it feels very natural so the, the dialogue is there's a lot of it and it's very good and but apart from talking to people, the biggest interaction you have in this game is singing. And the singing is sort of the Swiss army knife of the game. There are literally hundreds of places in this game where you have to solve problems or minor puzzles. And every single one of them is solved by singing. There's a lot of little light platforming segments where, uh, you know, your song has something, uh, some, w- some way to impact the world. It starts off with things like um, you know, you can sing a tune back to a bird, and then the bird will uh, grab onto you so that your next jump is like a super jump, and you can use that to kind of get around through the platforming segments. Or other places where, um, well, it's important to mention that you sing by tilting the right thumbstick, uh, and each of the, I want to say eight direct, yeah, mm-hmm. each of the eight directions uh, represents one note in an octave, and you've got a nice octave there, and you can dial around to any of the any of the notes uh, but actually rotating that thumbstick also has in a lot of cases kind of rotational or directional effects uh, that are kind of tied into your song as well so you might be moving platforms or changing the direction of gusts of wind and things like that yeah the whole world is listening to your song and kind of responding to the notes that you're singing and what that really means is if you hit right on the on the thumbstick you might be singing a particular note and that also means that whatever is listening to your music is going to go to the right and it also has a color associated with it so even if you're totally tone deaf you can get through this game um although i'm sad that you will not hear the beautiful sounds however I was not making the most beautiful of sounds because sometimes you just, including you sing for dialogue trees and sometimes the options are like yay and nay and you can only go yay. (laughs) I really enjoyed it when there were, you know, it it would have times where you had to, you know, give a a piece of dialogue and it it wasn't sufficient just to like tilt the, the stick and make one note. You had to, you had to, for each word in the sentence you were saying, you had to play a different note. And so, you know, of course, in your head, it's like, yes, let's go and get on the boat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's really, it really is hilarious that the character of the, uh, of the bard has this quality that 
I think is shared by, uh, I don't know, things like Snoopy or Hello Kitty or frankly like emojis where like the face is so blank as to be meaningless uh, and you can kind of put any feeling you want onto that face mm. in a lot of cases, uh, at, at which, you know, later on when he does start to really express emotion, it, it makes that kind of undermines that and, and, and blows it up. But it's um, uh, it, it makes it so that when you're expressing yourself through the bard, you really feel like, you know, you, you have a you have a chance for true player expression. And that's what I guess people are really looking for in a lot of video games. It's it, people always want a way to express themselves. And uh, even though this character ultimately, I think, has like their own characterization and stuff, it's very easy to kind of put yourself into this character. It, 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 it everything from the the fact that you're choosing the notes to make the, the fun song to the fact that you know his face is you know blank and emoji-like. I think all of it works together to make this character you can really express yourself through. Yeah, it's a game that teaches you that you're in good hands. There's so much expressiveness, so many uh, nuances, whether it's the variations of the sound or the, the sound effects. Um, I mean, heck, they managed to make a music game that's accessible for people who are hard of hearing or deaf. Like, I, I don't even you know. You could just play this based on color prompts. And, yeah, you could. And you could do it. If you're deaf and colorblind, you might have some difficulty with certain circumstances. Yeah, but the colorblind, the colors that are most commonly um, colorblind uh, matching are rotated, and so they're not next to each other, and they're different, like the dark colors are next to lighter colors. So if you are colorblind, you probably could get 90% of the information just from the directions and the, t- the tone. I-, I just did some colorblind tests on a bunch of interfaces today, wow. so... Um, <laughs> That's the only reason why I know that. <laughs> uh, planning for that, though, makes the game very accessible because, like, it, it also it just keeps it really easy to read and recognize what it's asking you to do, e- even if you have, you know, perfect color vision, because there's multiple cues. Usually there's there's color, there's sound, and there's some sort of shape or iconography, like a directional in, you know, indicator or something. So you always have a good idea of, like, what they're asking you to do. Something that really surprised me about the way the music mechanic is used in this game is that I was expecting it to be more of a rhythm game. I was expecting it to play, you know, a little bit more, I don't know, rock band or or guitar hero-y or something. Um, but it, it never is. It, very often it's using it for, we were talking about things like moving platforms around, you know, solving puzzles, that kind of thing. But also, of course, there's like musical performances that you have to do um, at many point, points in the game. Uh, oh, yeah. But it, it, it's never a wall and like, you failed, try again. Uh, you have to really be bad uh, to do that. If you're even 20% of the way there, uh, then that's good enough for the game. And, and it's the only sort of punishment, I guess, for not being able to perfectly play a song is just it not sounding quite as good. I always felt a little disappointed in myself when I, you know, we get to this great scene with a, with a, where you're playing or singing with uh, your with a band or with a bunch of pirates or you know there's songs that throughout the thing and in a lot of cases you're doing these sort of performances where it sort of gives you the the music game kind of thing where you can see little notes coming towards you and you have to hit them at the appropriate times and I would screw up invariably quite a bit of that 
Um, but I, it never stopped me. I just sort of felt bad because it didn't sound as good as it would have if I had been playing correctly. You know, it makes you want to get good at the music just to make beautiful music, I guess. Yeah, it will just kind of loop back if you're really bad. But in a game about music being connective and music, you know, harmony, if it was like you failed the song, start over, it would really feel off. Yeah. Like it it would just kind of put a bad taste in your mouth. And that is not what this game is about. Yeah, not at all. It's just about like making sure that you have fun creating music, which I mean, I'm not a musician. I don't I don't create music for fun, but I found a lot of fun even just as you're walking around the world of this game, singing little tunes, trying to come up with the best little tunes that I could with the with the right analog stick. It's not super easy to do. Uh, it's kind of hard to, to hit some of those notes because you, you think you might want to like, let's say you want to hit a note twice. You have to like move the stick to that direction and then let go and then move it again. And that's kind of hard to do. That's not how my brain works with analog sticks. Um, and also, let's say you want to hit a note on one side of the circle and then hit a note on the other side. Um, you want to do like a quarter circle. You know, you want to do a Hadouken. That's just sort of how analog sticks work in my brain. But you don't really want to do that in this game because you're hitting every note in between. You want to go one direction, let go, then go another direction. Uh, that didn't. That that was always hard for me. So I never quite got the sound out of it. That like I wanted to get good at playing the music of this game, and I never quite yeah. did. There is a reason that there's no uh, professional musical instrument that is controlled with a thumbstick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just don't think it's ideal for, for, for music. But, you know, it does work, and it's not like the game asks much of you. It no. basically wants you to try. Yeah, that's really it. The The thing I loved about, you mentioned that the 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 game, you know, you, you enjoy just sort of singing as you walk around the world. And I think it's definitely just worth mentioning more that like there are so many things in the world that respond in novel and interesting ways to your song Mm. like if you're walking around and there's dry leaves on the ground and you sing the dry leaves will blow in the direction of your of your note or uh you know and there's no reason for or you know things will change color to the color of your of your song. And there's lots of stuff like that in the world. Or the the best one is just that almost everywhere in the world, if you're singing uh, and you hold a note, uh, the world just sort of pulses in time with the beat of your song. Uh, so like houses and trees and animals are all kind of like bopping to the music as you, as you play. It's subtle, but it's really cute. Oh, my heart. It just shows that again, it's that stuff that make me give it the label heartwarming not necessarily that everyone is like, you are the nicest person in the world. A lot of people are telling you you're kind of annoying for running around and singing. And I smile at that because because five minutes later, little rainbow girl is going to pop up and call me little B. And that makes me incredibly happy. One of the most unique things uh, about this game is the color palette that it plays with uh, across just the entire game and the artwork. Um, I don't know if I've ever played a game that had quite this level of Lisa Frankness. Yeah. To its incredibly vibrant color palette. I'm just flipping through some of the screenshots that I took, and it's like... Uh, I mean, know. we've had neons, but we haven't had quite yeah. ponies and unicorn we, colors Yeah, we haven't had, like, <laughs> Lisa Frank vaporwave, like... Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Like, day glow. I don't even know if that describes it, because it's, like... 
it's just very, very good at setting, like, creating mood and setting with the color. And it's all the more noticeable because of the art style that is this sort of um, completely flat, uh, predominantly unshaded, uh, but very interestingly lit uh, and blended color. Uh, And there's a lot of use of, like, you know, uh, blurred backgrounds and things like that. You know, and I'm sure we'll talk. I know you had some issues with that, Reagan, but we'll, we may talk about that later. But there's, uh, you know, very, very light use of things like patterns and 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 textures. And for the most part, everything is just huge areas of solid color uh, or really bold, really sharp gradients. Yeah. And all of the design is so, um, you know, the shapes themselves are also incredibly simple in this. It has that look of something that a very creative child might make uh, after being shown the basics of Adobe Illustrator. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and and so you, you get things like, you know, when you get into a place like... Um, you know that kind of kind of shows in 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 some places in a bit of a bad way. Like you get into a place like the bar, the Crazy Raven, uh, and you look at their sign, and it's like, oh my gosh, this the the letters here are so it looks very poorly drawn. Uh, but for the most part, like everything is these huge, simple, chunky shapes. And then when they do really invest in uh, kind of carefully drawn. Uh, detailed stuff, it's where it really, really counts the characters. Yeah. So the world itself is full of these enormous, chunky areas of like pure color, uh, but the characters are very lovingly detailed. Uh, they're still in that flat style, but you know, they, they have. Uh, I'm thinking of some of my favorite characters like the accordionist. Uh, when you, you know, they're, they're often very well animated. They have way more animation than you, than you would think uh, for, for, for this game, uh, for the rest of the art. Uh, and they're very expressive and colorful. Um, and, you know, they... In with their animations, they'll often have a lot of, like, uh, really cute, really great one-offs. So, like, you know, the, 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 the main character, uh, the bard... Um, you know, just when I thought I had seen all of the animation that I was going to see from the bard in the art style there, uh, I got into a place where I was uh, kind of partially squished uh, by a rising platform. And, you know, I wasn't expecting it at all, but they had art for that situation where he was like straining to press the ceiling up. Uh, and that they, was very cute. You know, and they continually surprise you with stuff like the dancing. And most of the characters that you interact with have you know, a whole suite of different emotions and actions that they can do. Um, so the, the art really is used sparingly, but it is uh, great where it counts, which for this game is definitely the character. So, I, you know, all in all, I, I thought the game was artistically really successful uh, without feeling like they devoted an enormous art team to it also more so as it goes along um i don't want to spoil anything with the story because and we may have a spoiler break at the end i'm not really sure if we'll have that discussion or not but if uh the the game is divided up into these 
uh, very uh, defined act chapters. There's seven chapters or acts in this game, and each one has a different setting. They're they're so distinct they almost stand alone. You know, it's, you know, travel to the next setting, new act, and each of them is very distinct from the other in terms of art. the art style. Is still that sort of large, uh, chunky shapes. Uh, but the color palette is extremely different in every place. The character designs are a little different. Um, there are so many characters in this game. And it really makes you feel like you're getting this sort of this epic journey, this world tour, you know, that uh, you're seeing all these different places that are so distinct from each other. So we've talked a lot about how the game made us feel, but let's talk a little bit more about what specifically happens. So I think this starts off with a bang you are this little robin hood suited bard and you are told you want to be a hero so of course what the first thing you want to do is pick up a sword right so you pick up this little sword and then you immediately are like nah that's not your thing little bard you sing and then you get the wheel so that to me set the whole tone for the whole thing you are not exactly a pacifist but you are not trying to sword fight your way through anything you are much more likely to solve problems by being nice to people or finding out what they need at their heart of hearts even at one point in the story you deal with this guy who says he's a product of toxic masculinity (laughs) and (laughs) yeah and that guy's a jerk and you're like, yeah, you're a jerk, but maybe you just need someone to listen to you for a minute. And he's like, yeah. And everyone's like, God, that guy was a super jerk. You're like, yep, he was. But I still helped him because even if he's a jerk, I don't want to beat him up. Uh, I haven't really seen a non-combat video game quite like this in a while since Undertale, I think, is the big one that keeps coming to mind. Yeah, although, of course, in Undertale, you were you were making that choice you know, throughout the game. Yeah. And the, this, it's, it's very much just sort of, that's who the bard is. Uh, it's, it's not a player choice. Yeah, but it does, it, it still, it still feels very natural and, and so right. So this game is very much oriented around this, like, so this game is very much organized around this idea of like being the, the counterpoint to the standard hero journey narrative. So, you know, that first scene you were talking about, that's a dream the bard is having. That's sort of the prologue where he picks up the sword of the hero and he can't use it, uh, but he can sing and he can save the world through singing. And it becomes very obvious very early in the game. I forget exactly how this comes out, but everybody seems to sort of know that the world is going to end, Um, that this world was brought into being with the song of a goddess called Aya and, uh, there's some sort of cosmic cycle where every eon or so uh, she, uh, the, the world starts to come apart and she sings a new song, ending the old world and bringing the new world into being. And um, the bard wants to stop that. He wants the world to continue so that all of his friends can continue to be his friends. And he knows that that can be done by singing. And so his his quest throughout the game is to collect the parts of the Earth Song, which is a song that can be sung to renew the world and uh, you know sort of delay the end of the world and you know get Aya to to give things a new lease on life. And 
that's sort of the overall quest that he's on, but it's constantly sort of uh, set against the quest of the hero. You know, in this cosmology, there is a a hero whose job is, you know, who is uh, ordained by Aya to take this magical sword and end the world by killing all of the overseers. So the overseers are these sort of magical spirit creatures. And each chapter of the game is mostly oriented around you, the bard, trying to find the overseer in each sort of zone of the world and get from them a piece of the earth song so that you can sing it and renew the world. But you're sort of in competition with the hero, who's very traditional video game hero style, uh, you know, billowing cloak and all, or, or scarf, uh, and massive sword. And uh, they're trying to basically stop you and and uh, oppose you know your your nice version of, of the world their hero's journey is different than yours and there's so much more to this story than I was expecting like I really did not expect the story of this game to be so involving and interesting um, it, it goes places you don't expect I will not spoil them here but like even at the very end of the game, I was constantly being surprised by choices the characters were making and turns that the story was taking. There's a really big sort of gear shift about midway through the game that just totally surprised me. Like this game did not look like a story heavy game. It looked like this sort of like story light, fun, beautiful music experience. Um, but the biggest surprise of this game for me was that the story was what kept me going through the whole thing. I was interested in the story to the very end of the game. I was really happy that, uh, although the tone shifts and the mood changes, that it still felt like the same game. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a lot of games pull off such radical shifts without feeling like different games. And I think the mechanics radically change, and I think the what you're doing radically changes, but it's still, uh, I think the main character is strong enough that the game still feels like Wondersong. Yeah, it it reminded me a lot of, I mean, this is probably just showing my personal fandoms, but it reminded me a lot of cartoons that I like, like Adventure Time and Steven Universe, where they're, they're cartoons in that they have, you know, they're four kids. They are, you know, E for everyone rated or whatever they use for TV, I forget. And they, they, but they still have depth to them. They still go occasionally into dark places. They still have, you know, characters that have development and backstory even while they're staying sweet and uh, kid-friendly and, you know, having this sort of positivity that never really, never really goes away. They never really go to those incredibly dark places, even if they're dealing with dark themes. That's what this feels like. This game has, this game goes places. The story goes places. Um, but the- Degrassi, it goes there. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, uh, like Degrassi, it, it, this could air on children's television. <laughs> like this is- it it, it, this, well, this, this could be a kid. This, what? I was like, have you ever seen Degrassi? Because it is not children's television. But, uh, it's but like yes, it's like YA, Steven, right? Like Steven, I have seen Degrassi. Steven, Steven Universe is a much better comparison. I just wanted to make the joke. <laughs> I, I don't think the developer specifically called out Steven Universe, but he did specifically compare it in, in on uh, a couple of interviews. Said that his uh, big story inspirations were Earthbound and Over the Garden Wall and My Neighbor Totoro. And I specifically see Earthbound yeah. and Over the Garden Wall in this. Like, absolutely. Earthbound. This has that. Earthbound is about a you know kids going on a surreal uh, sort of road trip. It's a bit episodic too, 
um, you know, exploring this world and meeting weird characters. And this has a lot of that vibe, that sort of like exploring a, a, a massive, weird, sort of surreal world full of these like over the top characters, but all of whom have like a little spark of actual heart to them. Um, and then over the garden wall, like, yeah, like just the weirdness of that. Like Over the garden wall had that unexpectedness. Um, yeah. But, but a really sweet core relationship in it. This one doesn't have quite all the spooky menace of Over the Garden Wall. It does occasionally. Over the Garden Wall is something I've come back to several times. I I think another thing worth mentioning is that it has music in common. Over the Garden Wall is a musical show as well. Um, (laughs) I will probably own the vinyls for both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I first started playing this game, I initially thought like, wow, this would make a great kids game. This would be great for like maybe like a, a, a young kid who... You know, you'd have to be able to read, but you, but just barely. And then this would be like on their level. And then the farther I got into the game, the more I thought like, well, maybe not. It's, it gets kind of heavy. But then I thought, well, no, like things like Steven Universe and Over the Garden Wall, like it gets kind of heavy, but it does it in a way that I think could bring a kid along for the ride. Um, it, it never... It never got to the point where I was like, I wouldn't, ooh, I wouldn't show that to a child. It's just, it, it finds its way to, to, to give you something to chew on with the story or the characters without kind of going to places that I don't think would feel right for something with this incredibly adorable bard as the main character. People drink coffee instead of booze. Yeah, that's another Earthbound thing, man. That all the, yes. they had, when they localized it, they had to turn all the bars into cafes or whatever. So one of the selling points in the Kickstarter is literally that uh, there are 150 characters in this game. And I believe it. Mm. Yeah, easily. 150 plus. um, They said that the little bit of charm, it's got that Night of the Woods flavor, that kind of wander around a town, talk to everybody. You know, I exhausted dialogue trees because I like getting yelled at by grandmas and finding out why... uh, that girl didn't have a boyfriend, even though she could eat 20 hot dogs in an hour. <laughs> There's so much dialogue, even from now. these like random characters. And it's always so interesting. They, they all have little backstories or they all have something, something unique to say. And um, I, there were so many characters that like really stand out. Uh, the, I, I say that and I'm going to reference a character whose name I can't remember, but like the, the, the character that, when you're in the the town in the second act and you you put that band together um, and there's you have to sort of in very typical video game fashion if you want to get these people to join your band you have to sort of do something for them and one of those characters is a uh, accordion player whose mother is recently deceased and was a uh, was an, a famous accordion player herself and he doesn't feel like he can perform uh, you know, in front of people uh, because he's sort of in her shadow or whatever. And I thought that was a female character. But no, is. that's no the the pink hair accordionist. Yeah, that's a, that's a boy. I'm pretty confident. Uh, I the said accordion so. player. Yeah, I thought it was a daughter. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but I'm pretty confident he said he was a guy at one point. Do you want to look this up before? Nope, don't care. Uh, so anyway, the well, accordion player. you don't player. care because you're sure you're right. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't matter. Gender is a social construct. I don't know where we would look it up anywhere. I don't think there's a fan wiki for this yet. Yeah, most people in reviews are like, sad girl. (laughs) Oh, they say girl? Helping the girl with the purportian 
I don't know what her name is. I'm, I swear it's a guy, but I, 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 I may be very wrong. Anyway, the accordionist, who shall remain uh, gender neutral. Uh, that was like the most moving thing in the game for me. Well, that's not true. It gets really moving towards the end as well. But like it's really strong sort of side quest because... So weird stuff you speak to ghosts one of your one of your bard powers is that you unlock the power to talk to ghosts which comes in handy throughout the entire game there's constantly ghosts and spirits that you can talk to and uh one in order to bring the the accordionist along with you to play in your band uh you introduce him to his mother's ghost and they have a kind of an accordion jam session that you are kind of intermediating they are pl- you're uh, they play some they can't hear each other so you play both parts and kind of bring this this guy and his, or, or woman I don't know together with his or her mother it's so beautiful like that scene was so touching and and then that character was like there with you through a lot of the game kept coming back and every character in the game has a little bit of something like that. Maybe they don't have a fully fleshed out sort of side story like that, but every one of them has something to say that tells you a little bit about who they are. And it's always really interesting and sometimes moving and sometimes funny. I I, I thought every character in this was sort of unique and I I don't know what to compare it to for that, but it's got like a really large cast of like really strong side and background characters. Yeah. Speaking of favorite characters and little things, I mean, there are so many tiny moments, like even naming your bard uh, is a little wheel where you spin around and point to different letters. That and was it's, super cute. it's kind of letter locked, so you can't put your own name in. I mean, I ended up naming my bard Greg because <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was fun. And, and I started off with G, and I was like, oh, you're limited to eight characters each time. Um, Four, I think. Oh, no, you mean four, they, it no, lets you choose eight. from eight. Yes, that's you right. You choose Sorry. from eight characters, and then the length has to be four characters. But um, I redid my name many times because I was not satisfied with what I ended up with. And when I finally chose my name, they made fun of me. They're like, man, who doesn't even know their own name? <laughs> Let me try again. Wait. <laughs> yeah, I screenshotted that because it made me laugh. I said, you took a really long time spelling your own name. But okay. <laughs> but okay, we totally believe you're smart enough to save the world. Yeah, that was great. Oh, and I also was incredibly charmed that a number of characters tell bad puns and every time there's this pause and a little slide whistle. Yeah, one thing I thought was was great about it is they find a way to mix um, all these characters that are at once like very familiar but also out of place. Mm. Like, you know, you, you have... Uh, it kind of has to do with the fact that it's jumping between these different settings that are all like almost schizophrenically different. Like, you know, you go straight from a modern American style, small town to a pirate ship. Um, but you know, so, but all of, all of the characters are tropes in one way or another. So you have, you know, in, you know, probably five seconds walk from each other. Uh, there's the teenager who is, is telling you things like, hang on, let me, I have screenshotted this. Yeah. I was going to say, please read the teenager. She made me so happy. Yeah, so the teen was saying things like, you know, I just don't have the spirit to be a proper teen. Um, <laughs> and a few other quotes. I wish I'd gotten more of those. And there was another teenager that you see later that was just like a real jerk. 
he he he's he's just he just is way too cool for you, and he just asks you to you know move off and don't sing near him and stuff. But once you've done your musical performance, he tells you that you know he realized that being uncool is just another way to be cool. And he also says, "I'm fanboying for you so hard right now," and yes. he is he is Bieber hair, and it's fantastic. Aww, yeah. what a cutie! So. So these these characters are you know they're very tropey but they're also uh, very well done and, you know and it they're, they're, it's such a mix of different tropey characters you know to have to have that alongside like magical fairies and stuff like that so it it never wear never never does one of them stick around so long that they wear out their welcome. So uh, the developer Greg. I didn't realize I was naming the character after the developer, but now I get to feel like I was very smart to do so. Um, He said that the game, when he created it, if he had made a game that was always positive, it would be a very empty experience. And I think that it's a testament to him thinking that through, that he managed to create something that's got so much positivity and optimism in it, but it's not as shallow as we all kind of expected. Yeah, yeah. I loved it for that reason. Again, I was really down and I was looking for escapism. I wasn't expecting for something to empathize with where I was. I was feeling kind of helpless. And the game basically kept saying like, you know, it's bravery and courage is doing your best and staying hopeful when you know all is lost and you can't really do anything. And you can, you know, you you can go on a quest to save the world with your songs and it won't always work. And there's going to be just absolute... Uh, heartbreaks along the way but it's about staying positive through that we all know it's a dumb idea to try to save the world through song because who actually think that's going to work yeah but it's you know that's what this game is all about is like facing impossible odds and and staying positive and staying true to yourself and staying about like not um not going down the easy path and it's just it's so and dance buttons and a dance button always dancing always dancing how many dances did you collect i i have three dances right now i i know know there are there's at least one dance in each act and i couldn't find most of them i think i only got four dances so um, I actually think I got four dances. I know I had the the one where you're like doing the little shuffle. You're like, that is oh, the yeah, yeah the the starter dance with- is easily that, my favorite. I I found a, a there was a hula that was hidden. Oh, I didn't get that one. Ooh. If you're in the boat, um, there's an island that's like almost completely hidden under the because th- the island the map when you pull out the map you can see a pair of hands holding it, and there's Ooh. a there's an island hidden under one of the thumbs. Ha. That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's a hula you can get there. Uh, there's a delightful pirouette. Uh, and then there's one that's kind of a walk like an Egyptian style dance. Ah, uh, yeah. I got that yeah, one. I think like, I didn't get the pirouette, though. My favorite. Th- I, so I got one that was kind of like the bard was trying to, like, you know, he, it's like he's voguing, but extremely badly. So he's just sort of like walking around, sort of noodle arming in front of his face. <laughs> it's so funny looking. Ah, they're also good. The the pirouette was super good. Some of the some of the dances, like there's no run button in this game, and you know you move at a pretty good clip, so it's not that bad. Uh, but psycho, I I wasn't moving any faster, but psychologically, if I was pirouetting the whole time, it felt like I was going faster. <laughs> <laughs> 
I totally get that. I did the exact same thing with the voguing. It was just like, go for it, little little bard. Go for it. Yeah, the fact Work. that the dance move works in every single other sprite meant that there was a lot of times when I'd be doing something very dangerous and I would just be noodle arming my way across. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? So good. Um, so this game is out on uh, uh, PC, I think also Mac, and on Steam, and on Nintendo Switch. Uh, so right now, console exclusive to the Switch. I think Switch is a good platform for it. Um, it's actually kind of interesting to see that this is out when it is, because this is a, a Game Maker game, a Game Maker Studio, and they only started supporting Switch in like May or something, like pretty recently. Um, so it's it's I don't think it's the first Game Maker game on Switch, but it's certainly sort of a first wave. Um, I think that might account for some of the visual glitches that I was running into. Uh, it's uh, This game has, uh, it tries to do depth by blurring layers. Uh, and so a lot of the times things will be sort of in the background or in the foreground, and it will use uh, blurring on different layers of the, of the environment to try and create depth of field or whatever you want to call it. And in this case, um, it's, it's way of doing that didn't look very good, at least not on my TV. It looked kind of... Um, like rather than blurring, sometimes it looked sort of like like a dithery pixelated kind of effect instead of a blur, or rather in addition to a blur. It just sort of didn't look like a very good blur. Uh, and I know that's not like a, a horsepower thing on the Switch. The Switch is powerful enough to blur layer, layers, you know, I'm pretty sure. I've seen other games do it pretty well, but I, I think it might be... At first I thought like, wait, this seems broken. That doesn't it's supposed to look like that. Textures popping in and out instantaneously and and uh, blur effects looking like really weird. That sort of disappeared for me after I got really engaged in the game. So I wouldn't let that hold you hold you off. But if you're really sensitive to that sort of thing and want to play on a large high resolution screen, you might prefer the PC version because I'm pretty sure the that version looks a little better in terms of like blur effects and, and things like that. Yeah, and for the record, I don't think Shane and I experienced that on our TVs, but we don't have fancy TVs like Reagan. Mm-hmm. I am pre-4K. I'm not into the extreme. I'm not an extreme gamer. <laughs> I I kind of um, wonder about that because if because it was extremely noticeable for me, and I'm not you know my TV's not that fancy. Uh, I, were you guys playing on the Switch screen like on the, on the handheld or were no? You, huh. Okay. No. Yeah. I, well, I did some, uh, but I mostly played docked on uh, my. Big, beautiful 1080p TV. I would almost imagine that I was encountering a bug in some of those cases. It just, it like, it was extremely well, sure notice- noticeable and sort of distracting. I didn't make it as far in the game as either of the two of you, but I definitely encountered um, a, a couple of really noticeable bugs, uh, one of which was pretty concerning because it seemed like I was stuck. I had to reboot the game a few times to get out of it. Mm. Um so yeah, it's not a it's not a game that's a hundred percent free of bugs. Nothing was a showstopper, um, but it is worth noting that I think they um, anticipate uh, the, the possibility that you might run into a bug that blocks your progress uh, because there was some elements in their FAQ about how to uh, you know quit out of the game. Uh, by essentially like clearing your save and then putting in a cheat code that unlocks a um, level select to mm. get back to where you were. Um, so yeah, it's it's not a game where I would say go in expecting a bug-free experience. 
Uh, although, you know, nothing really happened that bad. Yeah, I, I got a, I got one bug that that wasn't also wasn't a showstopper, but was a little bit annoying in in the big concert scene uh, at the I forget what it's called, like the Black Raven or whatever, the where they uh, the band has finally gotten together and you play the big concert. I was about halfway through the song and uh, it sort of locked up with just like an endless note. And so the band kept playing in the background. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> for a few minutes. And then the band finished. And then I was still just standing there singing, oh, in a totally quiet room. <laughs> and I had to quit out of the game and restart. And it Sounds picked like right up at the beginning of the uh, uh, of that scene. And it was fine. Uh, something actually interesting about the saving in this game is it saves constantly. Like, it, it's, yeah. uh, it, it saves... Like if you talk to a character multiple times, let's say you talk, most characters will have like three or four different dialogue things that they can say. Um, you talk to somebody once, it saves that you've talked to them once. You talk to them again, it saves that you talk to them again. You can tell because it shows the little auto-saving icon. Um, and if you quit out of the game, you pick up usually exactly where you left off, even in terms of things like dialogue, which I thought was a good thing, um, but also kind of scary when I ran into that bug and I was like, it probably just saved. I'm just going to load up here and I'm just going to still be singing. <laughs> <laughs> but altogether, bugs or no, this was a phenomenal game. I am so glad that we played it. I'll be honest, Laura, like the trailer did not 100% sell me on this. I thought it was cute, but I'm so glad that you you pushed to play this and that you, you told us to because I probably would have skipped over this or maybe thought like, oh, I'll get around to that and, and not played it immediately as we did. But like this game was lovely. I don't know if this will be in like my, you know, games of 2018, like uh, game of the year list or anything. Um, it might be, but I'm not sure. It's been a pretty interesting year, but it's definitely up there. Like this was much more interesting and fun and sweet. It's so much better than I thought it was going to be. We were uh, stuck for a, for a game for a little bit there. And I, I don't often pick the games for the show, uh, but coming into this one, I was like, hey, this looks good. It's free on PS Plus. It's Cube Director's Cut. Oh, yeah. Um, and we kind of bounced off of that one. So, like, I'm really glad we had this to come to. A Cube Director's Cut, no no shame on your on your um, endless block puzzles. But, yeah, it's not sure. I, I'm sure it, I'm sure the game is short, but it's not the kind of thing that I'm really wanting to get that deep into, frankly. I, I got yeah. farther into it than I thought I would. Once I really, once I realized, like, oh boy, these these block puzzles are just getting bigger. Um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned that it's, you know, we were a little hurting. You mentioned that we were kind of hurting for a game in some ways. We, there were a couple releases that came out late. Uh, we were all pretty busy. Um, I was open to the game and got to play it, and I was really happy it came along. And it, you know, you mentioned it might not be on your end of the year game list. For me, it's definitely one of my gaming moments of 2018 because um, it was a game that really did pick up my mood and strengthen me. Uh, I don't normally, um, you know, I can intellectually feel very moved by Celeste, but I haven't had that kind of mental illness. And so I'm really glad it's there and it was empathetic, but it wasn't immediately selfishly linking to what I needed at the moment. And this was. So I I was not feeling very optimistic. Um, and I, I needed someone being it optimistic to be like, being happy is 
not being stupid. And I needed to hear that. I, I totally I totally agree. Like this this game I'm not gonna be hyperbolic and say like this is a you know, this is the a cure for twenty eighteen. But no. it's it's definitely feels like something like like an experience that I needed to have with the frustrations that we've all been going through in the last two ish years. <laughs> It's it felt like, you know, it's a game with a positive worldview and that's, you know, believe belief in changing things by being good. And it's change that doesn't just come from anger. And I think I needed to hear that anger is valuable, but also hope is, too. Yeah, it's so hopeful. That's that's really what it's about. So this game uh, we mentioned it's out on Nintendo Switch. It's twenty dollars, which I think is a great deal. This is a, a 12, 10 to 12 hour game. Um, I stayed up late into the night playing this game because I wanted to finish it. It's, it, it, it will, it will keep you engaged throughout that 10 hours. I know that's sort of on the long side for the short game, but it's a short, short for the, the gaming landscape as a whole. And, uh, you know, this is a play this game. It's great. It's 20 bucks. It's on PC. It's on the switch. Uh, just go out and get it. And uh, listeners will probably be familiar with our segment, What's Making You Happy This Week. Uh, Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I had a work trip to London, and although I didn't get any time to myself during the week, uh, on Saturday I ran to the Victorian Albert Museum to see the Design Play Disrupt video game exhibit. I'm so Crazy. jealous. Yeah, it, it, if you're anywhere near London... Um, and you are interested in video games, it is a wonderful exhibit. I had missed out um, since I was joining my team late. They all went to see it for free as a group. And people had kind of tried to minimize my expectations, saying, well, you're already into video games, so you've probably seen all of the stuff on the internet already. Like, you're probably going to be, you know, just hearing stuff you've already heard before. And yeah, if you've been really listening to video games, there's a lot there, but they really did a good job of... Um, getting special things. It, it would be like saying if you're a big Harry Potter fan, like why would you go to Hogsmeade at Warner Brothers? Like because there's new stuff there. And for me, you walk through the door. You know, it's this beautiful design museum. Um, the rest of the afternoon I spent there was equally incredible. Um, they have Kylie Minogue's dressing room reproduced. <laughs> like, okay. why? They have Beatrix Potter drawings. Like, why are those things next to each other? I don't know. But you walk into the video game exhibit and you're greeted by an enormous screen playing Journey. And it was like every single person who walked in just stopped and their jaws dropped and they kind of went, oh. <laughs> like, they literally just went out like, video games is art. You're going to watch beautiful you know, clips from Journey with the soundtrack playing, and you're going to figure it out. And then you turn to the right, and there's a giant wall of their spreadsheet where they planned it. And um, I loved that there were so many people in front of that giant TV screen, and then there were all the nerds clustered around the spreadsheet, taking pictures, taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> we were all just like, give me these drawing notebooks. 
give me the project normies want to watch tables. the art from the game but you and me <laughs> we want to look at the spreadsheet from when they planned it <laughs> hey and i posted the spreadsheet to our uh, podcast chat and everybody was like yes i Ooh. will like what the yes, spreadsheet that was really fascinating to see a spreadsheet about enhance yeah about the creation of journey like Really, really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, we'll post it. And I mean, they also had uh, an entire um, wall the size of one of the walls of my apartment that were just small screens showing different worlds from No Man's Sky. They had uh, a wall full of merch that was reproductions of the clothes from Splatoon and Splatoon 2. Mm, I would have loved that. Yeah, and what really made me happiest um, was just the resources that a design museum like that can bring to doing video games, because they can do huge walls, yes, they can do TV screens, but in Kentucky Route Zero, they're like, oh, you were inspired by a Magritte painting? Cool, we got that down the street, we'll borrow it and put it next to the Kentucky Route Zero screen, it was inspired, so it had the actual (laughs) Magritte painting. That's insane. You go from that into a room full of arcade games, into a full wall where they have videos on... um, Things like building stuff in Minecraft and cosplay based on Overwatch. These kind of big conversations. Um, A few people have said uh, that were non-game folks that they wished that the questions of video games, like why are video games so white or, you know, are video games sexist? The ones that the game community talks so much about were only given one big room about, like, conversations around gaming. But to me, that was almost refreshing because they acknowledged it existed. They had a ton of talking heads, talk, you know, describing their feelings. A lot of people we've talked about on the podcast, like Nina Freeman, hmm. um, like little video capture of her on a wall talking about, you know, designing for inclusivity. But it was much more about the celebration than the conversations that have taken over. They didn't push it under the rug, but um, you go straight from the kind of problems and conversations into gaming into weird experimental games. Mm. Um, And it doesn't feel like whiplash. So if you have a chance to go, um, all of the young docents at Victoria Alberts are on that program. (laughs) Go (laughs) elsewhere in the building and all the docents are like 50 plus. And in this one, it's all the like 24-year-old interns who are there because they know how to troubleshoot the games. (laughs) Um, So talk to the docents um, and, uh, you know, even just try to look at some clips online if you can't go in person. Uh, definitely worth the, the museum itself is free. The exhibit is ticketed and it's like 18 pounds, which is like 23, 25 dollars, depending on when you go. Completely worth it. I was a little worried. I spent two and a half hours there. So that's incredible. I, I, I really, really wish I could make it. That sounds amazing. I wish there were more exhibitions like that around. I feel like there's, you know, there, that doesn't. That probably isn't as museum exhibitions go. Isn't that expensive a thing to put on? And I, I think they would. I don't and know. a lot of people apparently in the game industry are traveling. There's a lot of events happening. Um, and another important part of that, I think, is that like, it's it's good for museums to be involved in this stuff because something like that spreadsheet from the creators of Journey. Sometimes this stuff is literally on paper. And it belongs, you know, and it's in a box in the garage of a game designer someplace. And I'm not sure what Victoria and Albert's role is in terms of preserving that material, but it's certainly good for it to be acknowledged as like important from a design and art perspective and, you know, and get into some sort of conservation process. Like, 
you know, don't throw those game design docs out or let them get moldy in a garage somewhere. Uh, you know, lend, give them to a museum or similar thing and let them preserve them and occasionally use them in an exhibition or something. Yeah, I mean, they have um, a wall from uh, the developers planning in Last of Us that's just the timeline with all the post-its and things reproduced. Wow. They've got... Um, they collected uh, a lot of sketches from Bloodborne. So it's not just indie <laughs> games. Um, they, they even did a tiny game about a woman who made little prototype iPhone games to talk about her relationship with food. Um, you know, things that you never would have played before, but they thought were noteworthy. So all scales, uh, it's not common to me that, you know, even something celebratory, you know, it being a museum, it wanted to hit all levels um, Emily Short has a great write-up um, of the exhibit as well that I read afterwards um, awesome. where she talked about why it was important to her. Mm. Well, let's try to have a link to, to that in the show notes. Um, yep. So so my thing that's making me happy this week uh, is much less sort of high culture and is much more low internet culture. But um, I finally uh, picked up the Drill book. Uh, if you're on Twitter, you probably know who Drill, a.k.a. Wint, is – and uh, you probably uh, you probably think he's weird and disgusting and interesting in the same ways that I do. But I, I have been following him on Twitter for I looked at my Twitter account recently and realized I have been on Twitter for uh, it will be 10 years in a month. And that's horrifying. You'd think like you, you bought a book that's literally a. 10 years worth of Twitter posts just printed out. And yes, that's exactly what I did. And I'm so glad I bought this because it's so interesting to just sort of flip through because rather than reading drills, uh, Twitter posts, you know, one at a time as they come out over the course of 10 years here, you can read 1500 posts categorized by topics, fantastic topics such as animals, ass, barbecue, beauty and fashion, beer, birds, brands, cars, charity and activism, crime and punishment, death, deep state, diaper, dick, Digimon Otis, etc. That's that's just through the D's. And it's actually more amusing to read them in book form somehow, collected in this way. And I've got a bunch of sticky tabs the the little like tabs that you would use when you're in school and want to mark your uh, you know places in your notes. I'm you're physically faving. Oh, I totally am. I'm going through and adding sticky faves to all of my favorite drill tweets, and it's been an extremely fun experience. So uh, I I wish I had I've only had this book a few days, so I can't go through and tell you all of the best drill tweets. But I will I will read my favorite from the section on animals. I am selling six beautiful, extremely ill white horses. They no longer recognize me as their father and are the burden of my life. Thank you, Drill. Thank you for 10 years of great posts. The book is called Drill Official Mr. 10 Years Anniversary Collection. It's on Amazon. It's about 12 bucks. You should absolutely pick it up. And it's making me very happy this week. Looking back through some of my past Drill faves. Uh, I, you got to love this one. Lover unbuttons my pants and sees the ankh looped around my cock. She looks up at me, but it's too late. I'm already hollering about the Anubis. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I literally every single page of this book, there has been something that made me say, oh God, and then put the book down for a minute. So good. Thank you, Drill, for 10 years of great posts. 
I, I literally think Drill is one of the most interesting uh, voices, uh, writer voices of our generation. And that makes me sad to say, but it also makes me proud. I'm, I, I love Drill, even if he's awful. Because he's awful. Indeed, exactly. This whole thing smacks of gender, I holler, as I overturn my uncle's barbecue grill and turn the 4th of July into the 4th of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, if you have a favorite drill tweet, friends, send it to me. Let me know what your yeah. favorite drill tweet is. Shane, what's yeah, making you happy this week? Uh, well, I kind of have two things. Um, I have one that's more or less uh, video game related and one that's a little more personal. I'll start with the uh, personal. Uh, it's that my little baby has got so many words now. He's he's just barely one. So he's like, uh, what is he? How many months old is that little dude? He's like 14 months now. And um, that little guy, uh, he's he can say up and down and dog and mama and dada and ball and hat and water and buy and bubble and pop and uh, duck and he does all kinds of gestures like pointing and shaking and uh, he'll give you high fives if you ask him for a high five he'll give you a hug if you ask him for a hug Um, he has a special gesture for more and for uh, all done that's thanks to his mama's uh, careful tutelage and uh, most most precious of all uh, if you uh, if you tell him to dance or wiggle, uh, he will uh, dance and wiggle. He's just like and the bard. Yes, indeed. And uh, it was actually funny today because I asked him how how was his day, and uh, the name of his uh, the name of his daycare has wiggle in it. And so mm-hmm. I asked him how he, how his day was at the wiggle room, and he started to wiggle. <laughs> yeah, it was very very cute. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the thing that's really making me happy this week. Uh, and it's good that that's making me happy because the thing, the video game thing that's making me happy this week, uh, is more or less a longstanding, uh, a, uh, ambivalent relationship that I have with a game. Uh, I continue to be uh, a long-term casual destiny player. Um, and the new destiny came out a little while ago and I am, I said very casual with it. I, I've still not finished the campaign of Forsaken, uh, but it's very, very good. It is very, very, very good. And it has added a new mode that has sucked up all of my... It, I, I typically get to play Destiny once the baby is asleep uh, or really play anything. That includes games for the show. So I play a little bit of Destiny when I am too tired to do anything else, which means I'm not great at it. But uh, this new mode which is called Gambit. Have you guys heard of Gambit? I Yeah, I read an article about it. It sounded really interesting. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, what so is Destiny, it? Destiny has always been a game that has uh, two kind of conflicting play styles, uh, PvE and PvP. And uh, some people are really into the PvE. Some people are really into the PvP. I've had phases where I was really into both. Um, the... Uh, this new Gambit is a mix of both where you have two teams that are facing off both in arenas against your, your typical destiny enemies and that come at you in waves. So it's kind of a horde mode. Uh, and as you kill off these enemies, 
you are collecting moats that you fill up a bank with. Uh, and when you fill the bank, you summon a primeval, which is like a big boss. And then you kill that boss and the first group to kill their boss wins. Uh, but what complicates it and what makes it, I think, particularly fun and interesting is that as you're doing this, um, every so often a portal opens that lets you go across to your enemy, to the enemy's side and uh, either kill them and steal their moats um, or kill them, at, which heals the big boss enemy that they're fighting. Hmm. Uh, and so there are, uh, it, it is kind of ripe for these kind of fun destiny moments where, you know, you're single-handedly slaying tons of, you know, space monsters, uh, which, you know, they've got even more great space monsters than ever before. Um, and simultaneously, you have this opportunity to have this PvP experience, either defending yourself and your team from an invader or invading yourself and, uh, you know, getting the drop on the enemy and maybe changing the course of the game. So uh, it's honestly super fun. Uh, Destiny has always been a game where just jumping around and shooting space guys uh, in different space places has you know, always looked great and felt great and the guns are fun. Uh, and certain times that is exactly what I want to be doing with my time. Usually... Uh, in the neighborhood of like midnight to 1 a.m. <laughs> That's when I want to be what I want to be doing with my time. And so, yeah, this has turned out to be a really good iteration of Destiny. I will finish this campaign. I will uh, I will avenge the death of Cade six and uh, oh, poor Cade. Um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Sad, sad times, guys. Uh, if you are in- interested in Destiny, I should say like right now. Uh, Destiny itself, the, the Destiny 2 main game was free on PS Plus. And if you also have PS Plus, uh, the first two expansions to it are both on sale for something like, well, for pretty cheap right now. So it's never been, there's never been a, a, a cheaper time to get on board with Destiny. But I think it seems as though that things are kind of starting to wind down. I don't know that they have big expansions planned after this. At this point, I kind uh, of wonder if, if you ha- aren't already playing destiny then you're probably not in the market um i don't know i would i would maybe well you know that might be true there's still a ton of great content there uh if you there are a lot of people that play destiny single player exclusively Mm, that's true uh and there's a lot of really really good single player content in destiny 2 uh for you to get through and at the price that it's at right now i think is a pretty decent value um and the online multiplayer is really good, and collecting guns is fun, and I don't think that anything about that changes uh, for anybody, so, you know. It's true. Yeah. No, not the worst yeah. time and to if it's, board. You know, if, if the base game is free, that's true. Give it a try. Um, I, I had a lot of fun hours with it. I, I eventually gave it up, but, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely a compelling shooter package thing, if that's what you're into. Um, and occasionally I am. Uh, this was a great game to play. Thank you guys for joining me on on this episode. And Laura, thank you again for uh, for giving me the push that I needed to play this because I might have otherwise skipped it. So I'm really glad that we talked about uh, one. I was about to call it Wonder Swan, but that's a <laughs> that's a different thing. That's a that's a different thing. It also sounds pretty gnarly. So. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, this game was great. And um, and uh, our next episode is also probably going to be pretty great because we're jumping back into our coverage of IF Comp. 
Um, IF Comp rolls around once a year. If you haven't listened to any of our previous coverage of IF Comp or not familiar, uh, the very quick version is that uh, IF Comp is a yearly competition for interactive fiction games. Interactive fiction being text adventure games and choose your own adventure style games, uh, games that are primarily uh, text driven storytelling games, uh, usually sometimes with puzzle elements. Um, if you aren't familiar with those sorts of games, IF Comp is a great way to check them out. Uh, we usually do more than one episode on IF Comp because there are many, many games included. This year there are 77 entries, which is a lot. Um, so we won't be covering every single one, but we'll do our best to try and find the most interesting games in this year's IF Comp and talk a little bit about them. Um, and uh, if you are following IF Comp, uh, and you find something you think is interesting, let us know. We always need help identifying out of that big batch of 77 games, what's most interesting, most worth our time, uh, what's interesting that we should check out and, and talk about on the show. So if you are following IF Comp, uh, if you're not, you probably should be. And if you are, let us know what you think is interesting, and uh, we'll try to make sure we talk about it on the show. Um, that'll probably be our next two episodes. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, since this is uh, on the horizon game uh, or episode, is that we are also planning an episode on uh, arcade games on the Switch. I'm a big collector of arcade game compilations. It's just a thing that I like. Uh, and I've always sort of enjoyed picking up arcade games on newer hardware. Uh, so I have a big collection of PS2 arcade uh, game collections. And I'm starting to do that with the Switch as well. The Switch has become a really great destination for ports of arcade games. There's some really interesting stuff popping up on there. So if you have an arcade game that's out on the Switch that you particularly love, maybe you have a history with the game itself on original arcade stuff, or maybe you found it more recently and you think it's fun and worth picking up uh, let us know any game that you uh, that you are into that is a has formerly appeared on an arcade cabinet uh, but now has a release on the switch whether it's an individual release or part of a compilation uh, let us know and we'll talk about it on our episode um, so all of that aside thank you for joining us on this episode of the short game uh, you can find our show on twitter at underscore short game or you can find our website at www.theshortgame.net where we've got a contact form that's a good way to let us know about all the stuff i was just talking about um, either of those twitter is good too uh, you uh, and i'm reagan kelly and you can find me on the internet at reagan k on twitter uh, laura where can people find you you can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? On Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>